be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great oh big fiery oh hall. It's the Horror Comedy Podcast with Jake and Haley. It's the Horror Comedy Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. We love you so much. Welcome to the Horror Comedy Podcast. This is the only podcast where we get high and I tell you a true scary story. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to check in with our ever skeptic, ever funny, ever smart guy co-host, Jake the Stone. Me, Jacob (laughs) the Stone. And we're going to see at the end of the episode if he's scared, if I completed my goal. It's not hard. You don't think so? No. I mean, I, I think I scare pretty easily. I mean, I scare when there's loud noises. I'm like a dog. You jumpy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I feel like you're just more, you have like more of a skeptic's mind than I do. I feel like you're kind of. I'm only a skeptic because it helps me not be scared. Hell yeah. Because okay? honestly, <laughs> deep down, I'm fucking, my I'm, soul is shitting a brick. Shitting. We have a whole shitting house made out of bricks. Farting. How are you, Jake? How you doing? I'm good. Good. Just, you know, smoking weed right now. Enjoying life. Hell yeah. We just uh, completed a really big move from Denver to Missouri. That was a major quest line goals right there. It was. It was. We did. We moved from uh, Colorado okay, to Missouri to pursue opportunity at the highest level. Hey. <laughs> It's uh, it's been great so far. It's huge upgrade. Like, huge. what are we paying? Like, seventeen hundred for an apartment, one and a half bed, yeah, one bath, shithole yeah. with two fucking circuit breakers. Could even uh, we we didn't have a microwave for two years when we lived in Denver. It was so sad because the circuits couldn't take it. Yeah, literally couldn't brew coffee. You would have with, to. You have to unplug the fridge. Unplug the fridge to brew coffee, and then the coffee pot would like switch off. You'd have to like mm-hmm. flip mm-hmm. the breaker and turn it back on over and over again. Sorry, I got a little off track there. But when we recorded our last episode, we were kind of in the process of moving, and we didn't have our usual fixed setup, and there was a lot of like garbly audio. So if you listen to that, Apologies. oh, I will kiss you on the forehead. No, you, we won't. I will. If you listen to it, you deserve an Emmy. You deserve an Oscar. You deserve a All Tony right, relax. Award. Right, you, you, you're sticking through us, through with us, through thick and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> They've stuck with us through thick and thin. Okay. Okay. So. I agree. We like to throw them a curveball. We like to throw a curveball. And you know what else? This, I just wanted to let you know. humble beginnings we became. That's so true. I just wanted to say, if you stuck through the last episode, I will kiss you around the forehead personally. And don't worry, because we're back, baby. You talk about we're sticking through thick and thin. Okay, well, this is a thick part. Or if you are not a curvaceous person, this is a thin part. Whatever your preference is. I'm saying this is the good shit right here. This is the cheese. This is the cheese. The juice. You hear how crisp this audio is? It was worth it the squeeze it was and it's gonna be fucking sweet this case i'm about to bring you is fucking awesome but really quick let's talk about what are we smoking today this is uh gelato from vibe cannabis shout out vibe vibe so good it's a vibe the nitro sealer weed uh what's nitro sealing mean means they seal it with nitrous oxide so what does that do i don't fucking know 
That's mm-hmm. just what I heard some guy say. Is that why it goes pop when you open it? Yeah. Okay, very cool. They do put an instruction on the can and estimated duration. Estimated duration yeah. of what? Uh, instru- they tried to dose it. <laughs> what does that mean? How long it's supposed to last yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Instruction. Smoke and inhale. Unlike Bill Clinton. Okay. <laughs> estimated duration, two to four hours. That's how long uh, it's supposed to keep you high? Yeah. Oh. Start, wow. Start timer. And shout out to Jake for rolling two really good joints and hooking us up one with one each. One and a half good joints. So good. Well, my filter came out. That was really sad and tragic. Quick moment of silence. All right, it's over. Okay. Do you have anything you need to announce? Because I have a controversy I need to address. <laughs> no, I'm good. I mean, I really uh, I got nothing. I have. Appreciate I, you. I have the weight of the world on my shoulders right now because I have to come forward and I have to admit to something and I have to address a controversy. Okay. So I posted a TikTok when I was editing the podcast of what I believe to be. I sent the Snapchat. I put it on TikTok. I put it on oh, Instagram. Yeah. I put this everywhere. And I believed that I caught a disembodied spirit's voice. Okay. And I was freaked the fuck out over this. Okay. Backstory. Okay. Our place in Denver was haunted. Was haunted. Definitely. I saw a ghost for the first time in my life there. We should talk about it. I'll tell you guys yeah. about it sometime. We'll save that for Halloween. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I freaked out. Jake shared it. I had people commenting saying, I think it sounds like this. I think it sounds like that. It was well, crazy. Well, Man. guess who listened to it sober? Me. And guess who heard my voice saying chimney sweep? I don't know why I was saying it Wait. like that. So it wasn't a ghost. It, it was me saying, saying chimney, sweep? chimney sweep. So weird. Yeah. So weird. Let me put. She trolls I, us all again. I didn't mean to. I didn't Got mean told. to. I had a TikTok wow. controversy. I haven't announced it on TikTok yet. I wanted to talk well, about it on the pod first. Yeah. I have to. I have. I don't know why I was talking in like a. I've never heard my voice sound what like were that. We talking about chimney sweeps, children. We were talking about the chimney sweeps. The orphans becoming chimney sweeps, I, oh, or, or whatever. Yeah. And I said chimney sweeps, but don't I said take it. Away their right to work. No, never. Libertarians for life. No, I'm just joking. That's horrible. Ha! I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Called that. <laughs> Jail. Build the wall. Prison. <laughs> um. No. So, I don't know why my voice sounded like that, but I sounded like a male robot. Chimney sweeps. Chimney sweeps. Damn, baby. I don't know how I did it. I don't know why I did it, but I'm sorry about the fraud. I accidentally did a fraud. Y'all remember a while back I got interviewed by Heidi Beetle for the Colorado Springs Independent? A huge publication in Colorado, the BTW. biggest one on earth, and Heidi Beetle's the best that ever fucking did it. You guys yeah. gotta go check out her shit. Check so interesting and she has such a way with words i didn't even know how to read till i heard heidi beetle's words and then i learned how to read just so i could read them myself and that's a true story please don't fact check me and heidi reached out and she was like i'm gonna check on her please don't check that (laughs) is true information and she reached out and she was like i'm so happy the podcast is back it's crazy you're talking about elon's school she just wrote this article it's called reefer madness and the troubled teen industry which sounds Wow. Right? And it's really fucking amazing. It's a five-part <clears throat> series. I think everybody should go read it. Colorado Times Recorder. Nice. Go to their website. Give it a little goog. Easy. Done. Yeah. Heidi Beetle, man. Heidi Beetle. The best who ever did it. And also, I would uh, my last announcement, my last and final announcement, I am the pod daddy. Um, pod mom and dad. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's our official title, but... One of our dedicated 
followers. And I'm dedicated to her. And you're dedicated to her. Okay. And she called us her pod mom and dad, and it made my life. So thanks yeah. for that. And I'm the pod daddy now. I guess I could be the pod mom. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which like one I am. I would like to be meme mommy. Meme mommy and pod daddy. pod daddy. I'm so hard right now. All right, baby. What kind of story did you ask to hear this week? Uh, if you heard our last episode, I wanted aliens. Right. Okay, it's been a while. Oh, what did you say? Aliens. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said elevens. Some lovens. Elevens. Some lovens. What the fuck is elevens? You know, like a love story. That's what I wanted to hear. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said it's been a while. Go ahead. Continue. It's been a while. Yeah. And I wanted to hear about aliens. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, this is like an awkward mix-up. Okay, well, it's still going to be good, you know? Yeah. It's not about aliens at all? This is so awkward. Um, well, all I have right now is this love story to tell you. And oh, fuck. We're just going to have to make the best of it. Right, I guess. If it's about fucking aliens <laughs> at the end, I'll reach across this table and fucking give you a huge kiss. A big smooch on the forehead. It was the summer of 1956 in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Pick a name. Two aliens banging on the beach. Fucking no. Pick a name, Jake. We don't care about gender. Uh, what, what year is it? 1956. Sorry. Jean. Jean? Hell Jean. yeah. Yeah. Perfect, because it's unisexual. We don't care about gender here. You're welcome. Jean owned a beach house, and they rented it out as a boarding house. I picture it to be very smelly. Probably. Yeah, different smells. Especially a beach house. Different scent. Ugh. Yeah. So Not great plumbing on the beach, mm. honestly, because it's like sand and stuff like that. So yeah, this is real. I learned this in Miami. That sounds horrible. And if it's like built on the beach, the plumbing's trash because... Really? It's like loose sand. That's uh, crazy. I can't remember what beach we went to just last in Florida, but it smelled like shit so bad. You walked through an alley, terrible. But you don't smell it on the beach because it's windy. Right. And there's also the beach has a smell of its own kind yeah, the of. Beach like, has this, yeah. Kind of, I can like, I always salty. thought I could like smell jellyfish, but it's just what the beach <laughs> smells like. It turns out I can't smell jellyfish. That was embarrassing okay. to find out. How does jelly, how did jellyfish smell? I thought they smelled salty. And I said, last time I went to the beach. <laughs> salty ass jellyfish. I went to the beach with some girlfriends and I said, oh, it smells so good. I can smell the jellyfish. <laughs> oh, fuck, babe. <laughs> they were like, what? Right here. And I was like, you know, when you get to the beach and you can smell the jellyfish, that's how you know you're getting there. Because you can smell the jellyfish. And they were like, what do you mean? And it turns out I was describing like the salty smell of the ocean. But I thought it was the smell of jellyfish my whole the life. Mass amounts of jellyfish that were <laughs> in the ocean every time you were there. I don't know what's up with that. Was this like upper east coast? In, in Delaware and stuff? Delaware, there's jellyfish. Like New Jersey? Well, not... No way. I thought yeah, they were there was gel- No, there's jellyfish. Jellyfish in Delaware. <laughs> jellyfish in Delaware? <laughs> Stop. We must move on. <coughs> okay. Okay. So, Gene. The agenda. The agenda. The gay agenda. No. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Gene rented out rooms of their beach house as a boarding house. Gene. By, by the hour? <laughs> <laughs> no. Giggity. You're going to jail. Gene was longtime army buddies with Barney Hill. Well, Barney. 
Gene and Barney, that sounds like a 1959 fucking TV show. Some banger names. Yeah. Banger names in this story. Barney served in the Army. He had really big ambitions for his life, but he was black. It was in the 50s, so yeah. it limited a lot of his options in life, unfortunately, because people were racist as fuck. As fuck. Right, but he still did a lot of really important things. Like, he joined the Army. He got married. He had two sons, and he had an IQ of 140, which is big brain activity. Yeah. How many is regular? I don't know. 83. I would like to think. How many is regular IQ? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Only a small fraction of people have a very low IQ, which is below 70, or very high, which is above 130. So very high, baby. He got drafted during a peacetime draft right before World War II. Oh, the best time to get drafted. Worst time because oh, I then thought it was peacetime. World War II started. Oh, fuck. Right? What Bad a scam. Time. Bad time. The war started. He got sent to war, and he was a marksman, and he was a truck driver. Damn! A marksman with the truck? He just fucking driving the truck, running people down, getting road killed kills? It probably was some shit like that, because his teeth got blown out of his mouth in a grenade Ooh. accident. So A grenade accident? What does that mean? Well, like someone... I don't... I just worded it like that. That's not what it said in the book, but okay. someone well, threw a grenade, and it blew his teeth out of his gotcha. mouth. We don't know which side. Because that's honestly a lot of uh, American deaths are from friendly fire. Awkward. That's like an actual st- statistic. That's so awkward. He did get honorably discharged after his teeth got blown up. As he should. As he should. And the government said, thanks for that. Buy a new set of teeth. What? On free teeth? He got some free dentures. Fuck, I bet you they're badass. They looked they're great. Wood, maybe. They looked great. No, they were good. They were schmegler. They Well, I don't know. I would rather be made of wood, honestly. See people with, like, gold teeth now? I want Sick. a wood tooth. Sick. Let me get a wood tooth. Let me get that wood grain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, like, dark walnut. Oh, I'm upset now. All his army's records say that he was a great dude. He was super involved with his... a real cool guy. He was great. He was a great dad. Drove the truck real good. He did. He was a great dad. And after he got out of the army, he worked for the postal service. Oh. You I mean, hate that? Good, great work to our men and women in the postal service. Hell yeah, you got a hard job. That after, part... Why? Like, why? You go to shooting guns, then you go to walking... I mean, I bet you he's Have you trim as fuck. Killed people, and then you probably he was a truck driver. Okay, a marksman. I don't know. I I'm confused by that. Still, the trucking and the marksman stuff. But now, I'm not trying to diminish any service. Okay, but if you do, if you shoot the gun really well in basic training, they give you marksman medals. It's do you have a marksman medal? No. Oh, okay. oh! I'm you left just, it in your I'm other pants. You left it in your other pants. My uncle Larry has a marksman. Your girlfriend doesn't go to the school. Uncle Larry has a Your girlfriend goes to a different school, doesn't she? I'm j- <laughs> <laughs> Damn! No, I have a picture over my wallet. It's cut out of a magazine. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I don't know if he really killed. He probably did. He probably killed people. Yeah, but it was World War Two. I'm just saying. Yeah, everybody killed someone in World War Two. Yeah, he you fought know, the Nazis. Like a, yeah, that's honestly the best part. Fucking so punk rock. But my Uncle Larry, he's a pastor of a church. He has marksman medals, and I know he didn't fucking kill no one. He went to South Korea. What was he doing there? Driving trucks. He was a diesel mechanic. Beep, beep, jeep, jeep. That's what Uncle Larry always says. He always says, beep, jeep, jeep. But I'm just saying, you can get marksman medals. Okay. From basic. Well, that's... But, 
If it's this World is War, different. If it's World War II, he may kill someone. This is different. Hands. That's getting a, a knife marksman. That is getting uh, a medal in training. This is being a marksman <clears throat> in World War II, sure. fighting the Nazis. So he went hard. I wonder what his body count is. He went hard for America. For America. He went hard for America. Fucking America. And then when he came home, he didn't want to do any more killing or any more dying. He did take the most boring job. Yes. I I just want to deliver the mail, man. I just want to deliver the mail. I don't want to do anything else. Shout out to our fucking postal service. New teeth. New teeth. Postal service. New life. New life. New me. New me. Okay, so anyway, in his free time... Barney worked for the civil rights in the NAACP. Ooh. That's, that's right. It's so cool. And he was also like uh, some kind of position in the Boy Scouts. And he was a great uncle to his nieces and nephews. Aww. Barney was living his life. And it was the summer of 1956. 1956. And Barney was looking to take his wife and sons Ooh. on a vacation. Ooh. Fun, fun. And Jean let them have a room at the boarding house. Nice. Okay. Cool. So that's where we're at. Another tenant at the time was the beautiful and vivacious. That was tenant one. There's other people there. Oh fuck! Another tenant at the time was the beautiful and vivacious Betty Barrett. Whoa, up and coming Betty Barrett. She's spicy. She's sassy. We love Betty Barrett. Betty worked as a cashier and hostess at her favorite restaurant in town. Betty had just gone through. Ugh, you never work at your favorite restaurant. That's a good way to not have it be your okay. favorite anymore. Yeah. Now the worst restaurant in the world. That's so true. Betty had just gone through a divorce. She had just been married for 14 years. Fuck. I know. She was married to a guy named Bob. Bob was a nasty philanderer, and he cheated on her, and so she divorced him. And since he was a nasty piece of garbage, (laughs) (laughs) um, she got a good chunk of change from the divorce settlement. Her kids were grown. Actually, they were, like, technically Bob's kids, but she adopted them. So that's 14 years, but they're older. Her kids were grown, and they had decided to leave the nest. So she was like... Well, fuck it. I'm going to go buy me a new nest. And I'm going to go live on the beach, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. So she bought a house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And the Gulf Oil Company was like, I would like to purchase your house. Oh, hell yeah, boy. Hell yeah. And they were like, actually, not the house. Just like the land it's on. We don't right, really care about the house. Done. All right. And she was like, okay, cool. But I am going to negotiate for double the amount that you're offering me, though. That is awesome. Fucking badass bitch. I love Betty. Badass bitch with badass... How's the song go? Betty's a badass bitch with a badass pussy. Wow. That's a rap song? I have not heard that. <laughs> I can't say I know. I, I, this is like a Nicki Minaj or Cardi B song. Not Cardi. I don't believe. So she... Um, I, I will find that. Then she... She gets double the amount they offer her, right? Nice. And then she's like, well, hey, since you're just going to demo the house anyway, how's about I pay you $1 for the house and I'll get it off your hands. I'll move it tomorrow. What? She'll move the house. Give me, I'll give you a dollar. Did she say tomorrow? No. Okay. All right. Because I was like, that's impossible. Yeah, it was. I know this. No. Yeah. The rest, I won't embellish, but I did embellish that. Okay. Uh, So she said, I'll move it. I'll pay you a dollar for it. They said, okay, Betty, we see you. And they said, here's the deed to your house back. That was probably so awkward. Like, and she squats in it <laughs> <laughs> on the land. <laughs> so she does, And since she doesn't need like all these rooms and shit, because her kids just moved out, she's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move it, and we're going to turn it into apartments. 
Like, and then Fuck, I'll have. Nah, lost me. Fuck no. Landlord, no. <laughs> oh, landlord special. Here we come. Oh, just God. imagine the house you just fucking, or the apartments you're renting out, and it has a huge crack down the middle because they dropped it on the way moving it. They painted over that. Exactly. No. <laughs> they, painted, they put a fucking, they put duct tape over it and painted over it. I honestly didn't even consider that. How buddy. shitty of an apartment that was. I hope not. I pictured it being like a cute beach house. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm devastated. 100% a slum. This is the worst news. Low income. This is the worst news. And so she got her mega money, and she made plans to move and remodel the house into apartments on a new piece of land. All right, that makes me feel good about it. Remodel. Yeah. Yeah, they did remodel it. Sorry, I should have led with that. <laughs> uh, they didn't just cut it in half and call uh, it a day. Move this half. I move this half. And we're done. Put it on two trucks, and it's done. And we're good. While they worked on her home, Betty rented a room at the boarding house. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Since she was a bit ahead in life financially, she decided that she was going to stack her fucking money this summer or this winter on him. Under the mattress. Betty looks like an under the mattress type person. She probably is. She smokes hella cigarettes. She's a Newport mom. Newport mom. (laughs) So she was working 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. She was securing her bag. I thought she already had a bunch of money. Yeah, she's getting more money. From the tenants. Well, she's going to have that money, too, once the house is remodeled. (sighs) Chill, Betty. God Betty's, Betty's getting set up to never CEO work again. Money. Yeah, exactly. She, I, I could have lived off whatever she made on the... <laughs> Long, many moons ago, Betty was a young lady, and she had to drop out of college because she had like a bunch of medical problems, so she never got to finish her degree in social work. She didn't have a bunch of medical problems. She had an abdominal infection. I don't know how to say that word. Abdominal infection. Abdominal? Yeah. So she had to drop out of school when she was like 18, and she never got to finish. Or I don't know how old she was, but when she first when went to school, you know. Get here? There's no aliens. I'm telling you a love story. Stay with me. Why are you uh, hating on the pod? I mean, I just was, believe in the I'm pod. Still, like holding out hope that in the end you're gonna be like, Betty's a fucking alien. <laughs> <or something. laughs> I just wanted to. All talk. these people went missing with no answer. Well, what happened was. They fell in love. Um, Betty and Jean? No. Betty never got to finish her degree. She went to school when she was a young lady to get the social work degree, and she had to drop out because she had medical problems. Uh, Jake and... Okay, yep, I'm alive. And once once she was done, she was going to... Okay, so she was going to work the the job, and she was going to stack her money, and when the house was all yassified, she would go back to school. She would go back to college. She would finish her degree and her lifelong dream of being a social worker. Who does that? Whose dream is that? I believe in you, though. You're the future of America. So that is when Barney met Betty. They got along great. Oh, fuck. Well, what about Gene? He's gone now. Bye, Gene. They're gone now. They got along great. Betty and... often joined a rock band now. That's Gene Simmons. Oh, what a plot twist. Plot twist, you're right. That's crazy. Betty and Barney got along great. And even though Betty worked long hours, the whole Hill family all bonded with her and really liked her to the point where they exchanged addresses so they could write each other's letters Aww. yeah so once the pen pals so once the hills went back home they could still be friends and betty told him hey next summer when you come on your vacation how about you just stay in one of the apartments because my house like in portsmouth is like 10 minutes away and then you could just stay there and they were like cool for next- small fee the summer had ended, the fall had begun, and Betty got back to school to finish her degree. This was a summer love thing? They bonded. Is this Greece? 
There's a movie Grease. It's crazy that you knew there's a musical number coming up. That's so amazing. I'm so excited. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> you got too excited. I was like, no, I can't keep that going. That's, That's mean. <laughs> time goes on. She gets her degree in social work. The whole time, Betty and Barney are exchanging letters. Before they knew it, had been. Dearest Betty. My friendliest friend. I think about you often. In a friendship way. And before they knew it, it had been a year. Can I say one thing? Yeah. We found letters that my grandpa wrote to my grandma. And let me fucking tell you, they were graphic. Okay? Like, he wanted to rub belly buttons in the shower. Okay? That is really graphic. There was more. They wouldn't let me see the other parts. That's how I know I was talking about fucking. My grandpa was slinging game... Did you ever see that form. old letter? I loved his letter on his balls, too. Like, that's my most decent. If you ever miss me, give this letter a whiff, for yeah. I have rubbed it on my gooch, dearest. <laughs> <laughs> I rubbed it on my gooch. She'd be like, oh, here's some perfume. <laughs> like I, a normal person. I, yeah, I didn't rub it on my gooch, you sick fuck. <laughs> Return to sender. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, hilarious. Okay, so yes. Because they were writing each other letters, Betty was among the first to know when, in 1957, Barney got divorced from his wife. Oh, I, I think this may be my last letter as a married man. She has found out about the letters and is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they say, Jake? A pussy... Mom is fleeting. Oh. A shoulder to cry on becomes a pussy to ride on. Hey. Mine, I like how mine was much more. What did you say? Uh, love is a fleeting. Oh, I was so excited to get it out. I just said pussy at first. <laughs> Barney lived pussy. a pussy. 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 <laughs> I'm so excited like the, to say it. The punchline of the joke. You like fucking say that first. But the pussy. The fucking pussy. <laughs> Oh, make it stop. Barney lived in Philadelphia, so at first they had a long-distance relationship. But Betty... I know. Filthy Philly. Probably did have some sexy letters. But Betty took social work jobs in Philadelphia so that she could see him as often as possible. Barney was a city mailman for the post office, and he put in for a transfer so that he could keep his job but move closer to Betty. Oh, romance. Romance! And it got approved in March. They transferred him to Boston, it's a nice, reasonable commute. Do you want to know? You want to guess how far? Three hours. 60 miles. That's not bad. You don't think so? It's an hour. I guess that's not as bad as I thought it was. But 60 miles each way. They hooked him up with a really nice shift. Guess which one? Graveyard. I was just kidding. Not a nice shift. Ugh. It sucked. But Barney loved Betty so much, and he wanted to be with her so bad that he was willing to do it. Oh, graveyard. Okay, continue. Getting good now. Now it's getting spooky. Right now it just sounds like a... It's a love story. I don't know why you're... It's a love story. This is actually an album celebration because Taylor Swift just dropped a new album called Midnight. Even if he only got to see Betty for a couple hours a day, it was worth it to him. Worth it. And they got married May 12th, 1960. Oh, yay. And so he moved to New Hampshire. New Hampshire was mostly rural. He re- uh, they moved to Portsmouth. And it was a mostly rural area, but it was kind of starting to get popular. Okay, up and coming. Up and coming. Up and coming, yep. And so were the racists. They were also up and coming. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Barney was sad to be far from his sons, but he was in a new town. There was new racists. He was making some friends. 
He was relieved and happy to be with Betty, though. Nice. Above all else. That's all he needed, really. Love of a good woman. Love of a good woman. That's all any man needs. That's all I need. I mean, heart. Barney needed. Heart, heart. Oh, stop. I'm blushing. He also had third shift now, and he wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And when you're middle-aged, that's a ton of stress on your body. It was all starting to wear on him. And so in September of 19... 19- fucking snapped and murdered Betty. With an axe on the fucking... Ah, fuck. I couldn't think of a lie fast enough. Sorry. <laughs> Are you trying to kill me with your mind? No. Oh. <laughs> that you're trying in, to blow me up. In the library with candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Barney, he was very tired. He was very tired. And Betty had finessed a week off of work in September of 1961. And Barney said, you know what? I want to do that, too. So he finangled a couple days off work. And he looked at Betty. And Betty looked at him. And he said, honeymoon, baby. Let's go back to the place where we first met on the beach. That's so romantic. No, they were actually going to go to Niagara Falls. But it's more like Viagra Falls. Because this was definitely a bang trip for them. Because it was their honeymoon. Even bang, though, bang. Exactly. They had been married for a long time. But they just like 16 months. But they just couldn't. And then they were abducted by aliens. September 15th, 1961. Barney Hill and Betty Hill now. That's their names. She took his name, by the way. So Betty and Barney Hill. Cute. These were the days before credit cards when banks were closed on the weekends. Ah! And so Barney went to the bank and he pulled out some vacation money. Do you want to guess how much was vacation money in 1961? 70, which is $698 adjusted for inflation. Oh, okay. Crazy. He decided to surprise Betty with a surprise trip to Niagara Falls and Montreal, Canada. Yeah. They did. <laughs> Should have went south. Oh, my God. To the beach, bro. It's September. Well, it was September when they met and they were on the beach. So what's the deal? Why the fuck would they want to go to cold-ass Niagara Falls? Viagra Falls. They're trying to bang. It's a romance thing. Is it? Is that Niagara Falls? Is, that's where Pam and Jim got married. How dare you? I actually don't like the office like that, but I mean, I it means know, something. Man. It's to who? I'm so confused. It's a frame of reference. The... It's romantic somehow. They used to put people in barrels and send them off of that thing. That's not romantic. Mm. That's a form of torture. Well, sorry about that misunderstanding. Let's move on. They agreed that they just go to Applebee's and not Red Lobster dining wise just to save some money. Betsy borrowed a cooler and she brought most of what the, Betty, who's Betsy? Betty borrowed a cooler and she brought most of what they would eat. The other the woman. The other woman. He's unhappy. Uh, not again. Um, and they agreed to stay at like Super 8 instead of the Hyatt cost-wise for hotel. Uh, yeah. The fucking alien motel. 11? What are you saying? <laughs> they asked their two tenants, Dot and Henry. Another how, good how 50s name. How could you even thought that I said 11? Me. I had problems doing the eve with the, you know, I had problems last time. Right. <laughs> um, so Dot and Henry, their tenants, agreed to watch the house while they were gone, and they decided they would bring their little wiener dog, Delcy, along with them. Whoa! How are we now just hearing about Delcy? They just got her six weeks ago. Okay, gotcha. They left Sunday, September 17th. They packed their car, and they were all in a great mood. When they turned on the windshield wipers, though, Delcy just lost her shit. <laughs> Our dog is a chihuahua, and she's very afraid of uh, windshield wipers. Anyway, Barney packed Betty's pistol just in case. Slipping as one do. As one do. I thought you'd like that. He slipped it under the floor mat of the trunk. They were super duper down to clown, and they uh, were going to... a great place. I mean, it's like, all right, it's a good place for your gun, but... There's a song about it. breaks out. 
their song called Don't Make Me Go Pop the Trunk on you. The one time I w- was two seconds from witnessing a shooting, it literally, from me to you, I was standing there smoking a joint. Fight broke out in front of prime times in Pueblo, okay? Always. And fucking, there's a fight going on, okay? And I see this one guy, skinny-ass guy. I knew he probably would have gotten his ass beat. He goes to his trunk, and he's like reaching for something in the trunk then the cops pulled up so i was and i literally as soon as i saw that there was a pillar in front of me i was just like Fuck. behind the pillar behind the pillar that is scary there's no good reason for someone to go to their trunk never anytime i've ever gone to well anytime i've known someone that's gone to their trunk it's to fuck someone up it's definitely for a weapon same it's like they have yeah. a tire iron back there or yeah, a pit anything. bull i have a shoe they were super duper down to clown and they were going to sleep in the car if they couldn't find a dog friendly hotel so they got Delcy all comfy in the back seat and they left on their merry little way for a vacation in Niagara Falls. Just a heads up, every dog's a, every hotel's a dog hotel. <laughs> or a cat hotel. Reckless, wild, and free. That's Bay's, Bay's motto. Delcy probably saw a lot of love making that trip and I feel bad for her. It was definitely a bang trip. It was doggy style. <laughs> Good for them. They traveled across Vermont. They made it into a Canada. A Canada. They saw Niagara Falls, Toronto, and the Thousand Islands area, which is an area and not just wow. a... Wow. Oh, the I'm... land of the dressing? I'm so... Go- Did you know that was a land? No, I Me thought neither. that was a fucking fake thing. Me too. I literally wrote, uh, I have a friend who didn't know that was a place, but it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I mean, I, I just figured that was like all the islands of the world. Wow. There's thousands. Well, there's a place called Thousand Islands. See, now you want to go on vacation to Niagara Falls islands, bank no. trip. So they were fucking stoked. They made it to Montreal on Tuesday, September 19th. Don't get me wrong. Canada was still racist, but way less racist than America and New Hampshire. There are a lot of Eskimos up there and uh, Native Americans. Uh, Montreal had a pretty big black population. Um, Ooh, diverse. Canada's just always popping. It's awesome. Yeah, no one fucking cares. So cool. And Montreal was like a, they had a lot of like black activism and stuff going on. So nice. Barney was like. Part of the movement. Hell yeah. They were trying to get to downtown Montreal so that Barney could get him a hotel and they could go out for the night because he was like, it's safe here. Like we can go party. Betty was like, Why'd fuck yeah. Why'd bring the gun then, bud? bud? And then Barney was like, I don't really know how to wow. get there. You always need the gun. Why not? Black man in America. Why not have the gun? Yep. So then they weren't really sure how to get there from where they were. So he asked for directions. But here's the thing. There's a lot of French people. And he couldn't find anybody who spoke English. Fuck. So Hella they, inconvenient. Isn't it? So they gave him directions in French. And he was like, oh, I got this. But he did not, in fact, got this. Soon the couple found themselves very, very lost. He decided he would just head. Oh, hey. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you speak French? Oh, my God. He decided to just head east towards where he thought the city was and just try to find any motel or hotel at this point. Fuck, bro. I can't be just driving in weird places that I'm sure it was dark at night. Yeah, it was. Fuck. As they're driving, they hear an announcement come on the radio, and it announces that Tropical Storm Esther had just touched down. In Canada? Yeah, they're on the coastline. Niagara Falls on the coast. What? A tropical storm in Canada? Well, it just touched down in Virginia, but it was headed towards... That sounds crazy. But it was headed towards Canada. So (laughs) Yeah, that's all they were saying. They were just like, look out, and it had winds of up to 130 miles per hour. That's a lot. The Hills weighed their options, and they decided ultimately to return to Portsmouth. Oh, lame. Lame. If they left now, though, they would get there in time before morning. They would miss the storm. All would be well. 
They just have to drive through the night into the early morning. If they get too tired, all they had to do was make it to the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and it would provide enough coverage for them to just sleep there. So that was their plan. I would not be sleeping in the White Mountains. Sounds so scary. It does sound really scary. It was still a vacation, though, so sure, there was a storm a brewing. I guess we can hit Taco Bell and just exactly head back to the house. Pajamas. Exactly, but they're still gonna like stop if they see something cool and like whatever, sing the songs on the radio and do Roadhead or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. They're still yeah. having a good time. The weather was still beautiful there, by the way. It's not like it was like shitting on them or anything. Uh, that's nice because I just picture like torrential downpour. Not yet. Hurricane conditions. Yeah. Like, you're fucking fearing for your life. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Sounds like a nightmare. So, yes, the weather was still gorgeous, and they were going to make the most of their trip, even if they had to cut it a bit and short. And then they were abducted by aliens. Uh, it's a love story, baby. Just say yes. They drove at vacation speed, stopping to see anything that interested them, and they were laughing together, and they were reminiscing. And they had a 1957 Chevy. Take a, take a rip, and then we're going to go to the... I wrote a little script, so welcome to the first ever... Horror comedy podcast, murder mystery Musical. theater. So you'll be Barney, I'll be Betty. Okay, Betty, that was the best Glock Glock Glizzy grip I've ever been given. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know that was my best work yet. Where'd you learn to do that, girl? A magician never reveals her secrets. You know, my favorite part was the. What? Do you see that, Barney? What? It's incredible. It looks like a shooting star, and it's. Oh my God, Barney! What is that? Where? What is Where? that? Barney, what? pull over! Pull over! Pull over! Stop the car! End scene. Wait, we were driving that whole time. Yeah, we were driving in the car. I'd like to do it again. Okay, okay, we're redoing it. But I didn't understand his motive for the scene. Yeah, I was not given proper. I wasn't giving. I am now, though. <laughs> okay, the artist formerly known Actually, as Jake. We should. Can we? Uh, I'm a method actor. You want to hear a car driving sound? No. no what do you want? Uh, I want. The best glock glock grizzly grizzly glizzy goblins. Sorry, I wrote that. I just, I don't even know really. I was just high. That gok gok two thousand. Exactly, that's what I was going for, but I don't know the lingo, so gotcha. no, it's good. It's All right, good. so here's you're driving in the car. <laughs> okay. Okay. <sighs> Betty. That was the best Glock Glock Glizzy Grip I've ever been given. <laughs> I God know. damn. I know. It was my best work yet. Girl, <laughs> where did you learn to do that, you little minx? A magician never reveals her secrets. You fucked a magician? No. Damn. I, no, That's I, crazy. I didn't. My favorite part was... The, what? Do you see that, Barney? What? That's, what the? That's, that's what jizz. is that? That is. A, it looks like a shooting oh, star, what and it's. What the fuck is that? What is what? that, Barney? What is what? that? Oh, that's just a jizz. Pull thing, over! Right, pull okay. over the car! Pull, pull over. over the car! Stop the car! Fucking attitude. <laughs> End scene. Those are, my face is red. I'll take my fucking medal <laughs> award now. Okay, <sighs> so Betty kept her eyes on the horizon when he was driving because if she moves her at her head or her eyes at all in the car, she gets really motion sick and she throws up. <laughs> Actually, that's me. God. I don't know if that. I don't know if other people have that problem. But Betty was looking at the sky, and she saw a shooting star, 
in the distance, you know. Fuck yes, aliens. And it goes across the night, and it's glittering, and it's so beautiful. It destroys them with fucking laser beams. (laughs) No. She was stoked to watch it, because she'd never really seen a a shooting star before. she's swallowing a mouthful of fucking cum. I don't know what she was giving. (laughs) I didn't. I just made that up. I don't know what that was. Okay, we're moving on from that. We're moving. She's like. No, she's not. We're moving on. We're moving on. Get out. My face is so red. (laughs) Uh, is it in my eye? I'm so I, embarrassed. I, something's blurry. I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, you wrote this. Can I did, but I didn't think you, you know would take it. Your mind. I didn't think you would take it there. I was just trying to go. I was just trying to go far. <laughs> my face there. is so red. It's cute. <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, okay. Warm. Okay. Betty was watching this. St- star and she'd never really seen a shooting star before and this was so gorgeous and it was skipping across the night looking all beautiful getting brighter getting larger and then it stopped completely still yes and then fucking aliens the star which she wasn't really sure was a star anymore it started to move straight up 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 and it goes north it's st- well. <laughs> He's teasing me because I don't know how a compass works. <laughs> so it started to go vertical, not north, Jake. Gotcha. Okay, vertical. And Betty thought, "Oh my god, I'm such a dumbass. It's like a satellite because they were brand new. Satellites just came out. Her, it's a satellite. Her they dad can do that. They can do that. Her dad was a big NASA stan. I've seen it on the television. On one of the three channels." Betty felt silly, but then the satellite started to move out at a perfect diagonal angle towards the moon. That's what satellites do. They go to the moon. Well, something about it, it was moving so smooth. It was like it was on a track almost. And then it started moving in zigzags. And that's when Betty started to be like, okay, pull over, pull over, pull over, pull over. I would have been like, speed up. I'm not trying to fucking stay put. This obviously is doing zigzags in the sky. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, I would be like, what is it? Get the... (laughs) Get the gun. I'm not going to just, oh, yeah, true. Get that's the glizzy. The, the only reason to pull over yeah, at that point. That, that would be the only reason to pull over because it's in the fucking trunk because you're stupid. Wow. She maybe they could the cross. Maybe Delcy's trained to hop through the back through into the, the trunk. Yeah. And bring the gun. I think she probably could get through the, the trunk. She's a wiener dog. They're killing machines. <gasps> She's had the gun the whole time. That's she what, is the gun. She is the gun. She is the gun. So Betty was like, oh, my God, pull over at that point. That's when she started to freak out. And they watched together as it seemed to fly across the face of the moon. And it moved in ways that neither of them have seen anything move before. It was going so fast, it was, like, hard for them to follow almost. It was, like, precise, jagged zigzags. She turned away, and she started digging in the back like a crazy person looking for the binoculars. What are they going to do? She's trying to see that shit. And she passes the binoculars to Barney. And he looks through them, and the thing gets... <laughs> Jake's holding up weed jars to his eyes. Um, and he holds them up to his eyes, and he watches as the thing gets larger, magnified, right, with the binoculars. Yeah, that's how they usually work. And then he kind of was watching it, and it's, it. he noticed that it kind of has seemed to change direction. Yeah, it's zigzagging. Well, it wasn't anymore. Oh. It, but it was moving. He could tell it was moving still, and he was, like, kind of trying to get a better look at it. And he, he goes to show, like, to tell Betty, like, looks away for one Yo, second. put your eye in this one. I'll put my eye in this one. Genius. <laughs> couple goals. Couple goals. Couple and then before he puts the binoculars back uh-huh. up, he's the object is getting bigger and it's bigger. getting brighter. And he Harder. doesn't have the fucking binoculars on. And he realizes, like, oh, it's coming here. 
Like, it's coming this direction Uh now. Uh Uh And Barney was like, oh, dude, it's a military helicopter. No biggie. Okay. I I, I mean, I would have believed that. He was in the military, so I would believe him. Right. And Betty, and they get in the car, and they fire up the car, and they're back on Route 3. this is a fucking helicopter. Right. And she's like, no, that was amazing. I don't, I'm confused about what I saw. And he's like, well. "Well, Have you ever seen a helicopter, you stupid bitch? I was in the army. I know everything. It's a passenger jet. She's like. Man. He's like, it's a passenger jet. Well, he knows he it's not it was a, an airplane. He just said it was a helicopter. It's one of those two. It's now one of those I two. I am questioning his it's only, it's, validity. He was a truck driver. He doesn't know Jack. It's not a truck. He knows that. <laughs> I know. It's not a truck. It's, so, it's a sky truck. Sky truck. It's a sky truck. <laughs> it's a sky truck. <laughs> That's my favorite movie, Sky Truck. <laughs> sky truck. <laughs> Please, I want that movie poster it's in this room. Sharknado. Well, it has no chance against Sky Truck. Barney could not Sky okay truck. Sky truck so but he knew it wasn't a satellite that was one thing for sure it was like just ruled out because the way it was moving so they're seen no satellite they probably like were chain smoking crazy they probably were every picture I saw of her she had a cigarette ether. <laughs> <laughs> whatever does the trick at this point but he he was really smart he was super skeptic yeah he, oh yeah he's got a huge IQ he does yeah and he just straight up did not believe in flying saucers he's Huh? Gaslighting. Gaslighting. On the outside, though, he stayed super calm, but truthfully, like, on the inside, he was very scared, and he was, like, kind of like, that was a weird way for planes to move. Like, what's up with that? And Betty was... Betty was... And Betty was busy, like, looking around, so she hadn't looked down yet and realized that the car was full of bricks that he shat. He pooped his pants? He shat bricks. He really pooped his pants? No. I'm just making a joke. Oh. I was like, damn, my God did not hold it. No, no, I was just joking. Okay, but so he, in fact, did just, not poop his pants. No, no, he didn't, but he did shit a brick. And this thing is, like, getting brighter, getting bigger, and it's still on the skyline, but it does seem to be getting closer. And the way it was lighting up was, like, confusing them and also, like, amazing them. And it was getting closer and closer, and they realized as it kind of encroached on them, like, you know, you hear helicopters or planes and yeah. they get close. Uh, and and there's, what, 61? Been loud as fuck. For sure. But they realized that it was completely silent and they realized that whatever it was was behind them now and it was following them. Fuck. It moved more I'm like... so paranoid. Me too. I'd be fucking screaming. <laughs> dog, get the gun. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Delcy, fetch. Fetch, Delcy. Whatever. You know, I'd be throwing the dog at the alien. <laughs> Oh my God, sacrifice. So whatever it was, it moved more like a dragonfly than a helicopter, and it moved in ways that were too organic to be a machine, but too precise to be biological. I hate it when fucking people say too organic to be a machine. Machines don't know anything about being organic. That's the point. Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. It zigzagged towards them. It seemed to bounce on different things almost, and it was clearly stalking them now. Like Drugs. Glowing yeah, out. I'm skeptic. You're being skeptic. You're, you put, know, you're putting your skeptic hat on. Fucking uh, fading in and out. It's drug high. How are they still driving? All drugs. Woo-hoo. They're not. They're still at the motel. <laughs> drugs. Inception. <laughs> Inception. Um, Barney tried going off the road, hiding the car oh, in the bushes, turning oh, the lights what? off. That's also crazy because you're all just like, "There's a bush. Go hide in that. It's right behind you. They're gonna see you." Maybe it's going so fast it'll just. So he goes off the road. He tucks the car into a bush. Turns Driving off. Like a crazy man right now. He is. Yeah. He turns off the lights. He turns off the car. He tries and waits for the thing to go past them. 
then he fires it up, floors it, and does then does it go past him? Well, at first they don't see it, but then they see it again. Okay, and it's behind them again. Then he tries slamming on his brakes and trying to like you know swish it. Let him rear end him, and then it's his fault, and, then, and he gets the ticket. And the insurance. Fuck smart. <laughs> Smart guy. Wow, do we Jake solved aliens? I fucking solved aliens. Just Jake solved to get aliens. An insurance scam on you. <laughs> so he tried slamming on his brakes, letting the thing pass him, and then he would like slam the fucking gas and try to, but it would show up again. Just fucking getting her. He was trying. He was trying. So he tried everything he could to get away from the whatever this silent watching thing was. He thought up new plans, new solutions. He tried everything he could in desperation. It was a game of cat and mouse, but the thing seemed always two steps ahead of him and well over five times as large. Literally cat and mouse. Oh, fat. Fatty. He reassured Betty. He was like, as soon as we see someone, we'll stop, even if it's just someone's cabin, even if it's someone's house, like we're just going to pull over. And at that point, he was like, clearly it's something fucking with us, but he was like, it's got to be a military plane, like just flying reckless. G.I. Joe. It's G.I. Joe. And all in all, it followed them for 30 miles. There was a rock formation up ahead called Indian Head. Ooh. This is where the road turns. There's like a curve and then it opens up from mountains into like a pretty large open nature area. And that's what Barney expected to see. But instead, when he turned the bend, all he could see was a giant shadow. Like something was blocking the natural light and all the road lights. I'm a little sweet right now. You on the edge of your seat right now? A little, kind of. Like. All right. There's something obstructing all of the atmosphere around him. So whatever it was, was so close that it was blocking out the fucking light. It was maybe 60 feet away from their car. It could have been really big. It was. Yeah, it was big. Barney slammed on the brakes in the middle of the road. That's when he saw it. It was a metallic disc, flat. It was like a pancake flat. And it was big and as wide as a commercial airliner. It had all these crazy lights. And it had a window around the rim. Whoa, that's cool. He grabbed his binoculars and he stared at whatever the fuck that was that was hovering above them now. He was super duper manly in this moment. He said he felt a sense ah! of... <laughs> he only cried once. He, he only was being shit one brick. <laughs> I would have shot a house. <laughs> um, he said he felt a sense of duty, like he could not keep going. In his pants. Duty in my pants. Duty. <laughs> That's the kind of duty one I would have felt. Brick. <laughs> oh my god. I could have opened it's a fucking. At this point. I could have opened a masonry business. He couldn't keep going without figuring out what the fuck was going on. So he gets out of the car. He walks to the trunk. As he's doing this whatever it is that was floating above them seems to hop or float to the side of the road right above the tree line pops the trunk he gets the pistol that's when he noticed like the windows that we mentioned earlier that's when he really like looked at them and noticed them he's watching the thing and it's it goes from flat and it starts to kind of tilt towards him a little bit oh and it's like I wish a motherfucker would. I will. Do this. I wish he would. I'll decimate you. Do it. And it got a little lower, and it tilted towards him a little farther. Even he grabs the gun. He walks towards the thing, and he noticed these two fin-like structures come out of the side. And there was two red lights at the end of whatever the fuck those were. Ah, uh, that's a fucking satellite. Uh, now, ain't no aliens gonna put fucking blinky red lights on their shit. Okay, and then whatever it was shifted towards him even more, and it got even lower. He looked through the binoculars at the windows, and he could see these people inside. Now, sorry. 
How close is it to him? It's close now. It's like close. So, Ten I'm yards. Having, I'm just having like issues with like the. I mean, it's like a fucking circle, a frisbee jumbo jet in the sky. It's just like looking at 10 yards. Okay, that's that's pretty okay. far, but still yeah. seeable. Okay. Yeah. And so he looks at it with his binoculars. He looks into the windows, and there's these people. Aim with the binocular. It's <laughs> the only way. And But they don't really look like people is the thing. Like, whatever they were, they were moving around. Where are they, Haley? What kind of people are they? <laughs> Tell us. I don't Describe know. them. I don't know. They, they, Whatever they were, they were moving around with such intention that it reminded him of Nazi generals. Whoa. They were like. Schneelschnein. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know what they were doing in there. Yeah. And whatever they were, they just didn't look like people. They had like weird lumps on the side of Kill their em. head. They were like a little shorter. They had bigger heads. Kill them. Kill them? You don't know what that is. Kill them. No hair. Eyes were so big. <sighs> Gross. Disgusting. Kill them. And whatever the eyes, they were so big that he could like see them. See them. That's in the big. binoculars. Uh, I Huge. I see your eyes right now. They're pretty big. Huge. Um, Huge. Their eyes were praying mantis-like and so are mine. Please don't fact check that. They are huge. They're on the side of my head. They're bloodshot. They were moving around with urgency, except for one of them that didn't move at all. The Watcher. Barney looked up at whatever it was, whoever it was, and it... And took aim. And it... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and that's when he realized that, like, whatever it was could be looking right back at him. That's when it dawned on him. We are in huge danger. And we're on the danger oh, part Oh, shit. Now. You grabbed the gun. Like, you didn't... You, it was fine before... Well, I think before he was more curious, and that's when he was like, we need to run away. He ran back to the car. His breath was shuddering. He was shaking. He was crying. He was yelling, Betty, they're going to capture us if we don't get out of here right now. They're going to capture us. He got in the car, and he floored it. Barney, from a place of cold sweat and adrenaline, tried to navigate the twisting roads at speeds of up to 100 miles per hour. It's a three-speed transmission. It can go up to 130. I learned that today. And the tension in the car only rose as the couple realized that the thing was matching their speed and was hovering directly on top of their Fuck, car Fuck, it's now. right there next to him. On top of them. On top of them. They started to hear echoes of buzzing. Oh. Betty stuck her head out the car window oh. to look up and see what the hell it was doing. Bees. And they started to hear That's like this buzzing. beeping sound, but oh. it was, they described it as more like a tuning fork being hit. Okay, that's extremely creepy. I don't like tuning forks. No, 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 no. And it was coming from the back of their car, and it was like kind of rhythmic, but not in like a, a way they'd heard before. They left the stereo on, and they're listening to the classic tuning fork channel. <laughs> it was echoing in their own car somehow. Whatever the sound was, it was echoing in their own car. It sounded like it was coming from the trunk, but also like it was coming from above. Oh, shit. And you know how at concerts, like the bass vibrates your chest? Uh, you know, that's uh, kind of how they felt. They just got so quiet. They were like so spooked by the sound and all both of them could think about was contacting another human just seeing any other people besides just them they just wanted to see other humans find a restaurant find anyone and then all of the sound stopped they saw the moon and it was so bright it kind of stung their eyes for a minute and then they adjusted to it's like gone? the light and shit and they heard that vibration ringing sound one more time and then it was totally silent and Barney kind of chuckles, and he goes, there it goes. And they realized that they had driven 35 miles. 35 more miles. Okay. 
Fear works as kind of a filter. When you're in fight or flight, your body will automatically filter out anything not important to surviving. There it goes. Well, uh, right? That's like a traumatized response. I just got chills. Um, Everyone's response is different. So some people... Made it. (laughs) Made it. (laughs) Totally cool. Regular vacation. You you still hungry? (laughs) 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 So some people's bodies, instead of only holding on to what's important, some people's bodies will instead filter out anything that's important. Dissociate. Come back when it's over. That kind of thing. My point is that when you're scared, when you're really scared for your life, things will get hazy for you. It's like when you watch a horror movie for the second time and you see like, oh my God, that was scary too. Like that was spooky. I can't believe I missed that. But it's because you were so focused on the one scary thing. You just blank everything else. Didn't notice the giant probe behind you. Uh, What I thought of was when we watched Nope and then we rewatched it and spoiler, so skip ahead a little. Um, But we rewatched it and we realized the cloud was there from the beginning. And that spooked me. (laughs) Um, But it's that kind of thing. That is kind of how the hills felt they felt some of the night felt like for barney and betty that like was there something in the road or like just following us or like why was the moon so bright that that one canadian weed what was that canadian weed called no just kidding about that but they knew for sure that something huge happened to them the lights were weird they were like huge and bright and red sometimes but they were like flashing in ways i couldn't understand and it was all just like really confusing was there something blocking their way or did they imagine that like what happened or were they just scared what was it what was it barney kept saying we'll make it there by 3 a.m we'll make it home by 3 a.m it'll be over soon betty broke the nervous silence and she giggled and she was like do you believe in flying saucers now (laughs) and he says don't be ridiculous of course i don't as the car rolled into Portsmouth, the sun was beginning to rise the fuck bro come on you don't believe in flying saucers after that Vibe check. How you feeling? Feeling good. What would they? They're in Portsmouth. Keep You're dying. Going. You're dying. Okay, we'll yeah. get to it. We'll get yeah, to what it. What happened to the car? This is from Betty's journal entry that day. She said, "Quote: We entered our home, turned on the lights, and went over to the window and looked at the sky. We stood there for several minutes. Then Barney said, "This is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me." We both wondered. Barney said that. Yeah. We both. Uh, two minutes ago, you were like, "Eh." Eh. <laughs> There it goes. He's just trying to play it cool. (laughs) We both wondered if they would come back. It was 5.15 a.m. We felt very calm, peaceful, relaxed. We sat at the kitchen table, looked at each other, shook our heads in puzzlement, and asked each other, do you believe what happened? We agreed that it was unbelievable, but it had really happened. We would return to the windows and look skyward. Barney felt cold and clammy, so he went to shower. He noticed that the top of his shoes were scraped. Barney also had lesions on his groin. When he came back, I went to shower. My earrings were missing. My dress was ripped and covered in a pink powder. Wait, what? When I walked back into the kitchen, I saw Barney getting our stuff from the car. I asked him to leave it on the porch. He agreed that that was a good idea. We went and laid down and slept a deep sleep. Wait, what was on her? Her dress was torn uh-huh. and she had pink powder all over her. Okay. Barney was, aw- Barney was awake when I woke up and he looked upset. He asked me if I had a feeling they were still around. I agreed with him and we watched the skies, going to the windows and looking up, going out back on the porch. Looking, looking and seeing nothing. It was beginning to rain, so Barney brought our belongings into the back hall. He wanted to know what I saw. He said we should go into separate rooms and draw whatever we saw, which we did and we found that we had matching drawings. All the little details were the same. Barney said, we can't ever tell anyone about this. 
He thought nobody would believe us. I want to tell everyone. And that's the end of her journal entry for that day. Betty's dress was ripped and covered in a pink powder. When she took it off, she stored it in her closet, determined to never wear it again. Her earrings were gone. Barney's shoes were scraped on the top, and he had lesions on his groin. Barney felt disturbed and violated. Betty felt contaminated, but also curious. Barney pleaded with her to not tell anyone about this. Wait, what? Were they abducted? So Betty called her sister Janet, who had a... Fuck. <laughs> Janet. He's like, please don't tell anyone. And she's like... <laughs> please don't tell your Ring, sister. ring. <laughs> please don't tell her. He already knew. Oh, and she saw... Janet saw a UFO 10 years ago. So... Mm-hmm. so crazy Janet of the family. Crazy Jan. Gotta give her a ring. So Betty calls Janet, and she's like telling her what happened, and Janet has a neighbor who's a physicist, so a fancy scientist. And Betty was like, can you just ask if he thinks we should bring our shit inside? Because I'm scared it's going to, like, give us cancer or something. And he's like, Janet's like, okay, I'll ask. And I'll call you back. And she calls back. And the neighbor was like, well, I wouldn't be worried about that. But I I would take a compass and run it over your car and see how the needle reacts. Just to, like, kind of measure the magnetic field and see if there's anything there. And so she's like, all right, cool. And she's like, Barney, go do that. And so he takes the compass out. And he looks at the car and he realizes there's like, on the trunk, there's like 15 to 20 random spots that are perfectly round and they look completely polished. It's like the cleanest part of the car. And those spots, when he put the compass on them, they would make the, the needle go insane. Like it would just go insane in the membrane. It only spun on those areas. Betty felt like she had to tell someone. So she was like, what do I do? And the cops told her to report it to the Air Force Base. And they needed to do that because that's what the Air Force Base told them to do. Which to me says, does this kind of thing happen a lot? (laughs) Just curious. Um, They called the Air Force and they made a report. The Air Force treated them with dignity and professionalism, which was nice. But they didn't seem super interested until they had heard about the fin-like armaments that had lights on the end, which came out of the sides of the thing that Barney saw. They confirmed air traffic control did pick up a weird craft on radar at 2.14 a.m. on that same night. Janet and her family went to go see the hills the next day. Nope. No? She brought her kids. Yeah. <laughs> this bitch. So she brings her kids, the whole fam, daughter Kathy. Uh, I don't know the other kids' names because they weren't as cool. And they listened to the story and they wanted to go Kathy see Kathy was the favorite one. Yeah, my fave. I don't know about the other. I would assume. But she's the coolest, so it's fine. And so they're all like, we want to see the spots on the car. So Janet and all the kids come out, and Kathy's like, I'm going to touch it. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, you guys shouldn't be out here at all. Go inside. Fucking touch it, you dumb fuck. You just ruined it for everyone else. Well, they were just kind of concerned. They were like, well, hold on. Like, this could be. Give us cancer. This could give us something, you know? And they were like, oh, this actually, whatever this was, might have been, like, could be kind of dangerous, like. So a couple of days later, Betty goes down to the local library and she gets the Flying Saucer Conspiracy by Donald Kehoe. Of course. And she writes him a letter about her experience. And that night, she starts a series of nightmares that were super, super vivid. In them, human-like beings are there. I don't like this. They surround the car. They take Betty and Barney into a craft and they lay them down on tables and they examine them. This is a quote from Betty describing her dreams. Quote, First they took Barney into one room and I went into a second room. In this room they did what I would call a fairly simple physical examination. They seemed to have mostly interest in my skin. I had the idea they were taking pictures. 
also interest in my hands and feet. They were checking my nervous system. It would be like picking up a strange animal. Okay. <laughs> nervous system. She was a fine specimen. Don't talk about her like uh, that. My nervous system. Okay. Jake, Jake uh, what's that drink you have over there? Is it Haterade? It is Haterade, okay? Because how are you... I don't know. I don't know. I'm... It would be like picking up some kind of a strange animal, looking it over and putting it back down again without intentions of harming it. End quote. Like okay. a hermit crab. As a social worker, she studied psychology, and she knew that dreams could carry memories of trauma. But she also knew that your dreams can come up with some crazy off-the-wall shit sometimes. But she just could not shake these dreams in particular. Was it possible that these dreams were the missing piece of that night? Delcy the Dachshund started to have nightmares at night, too. Oh. They only had Delcy... I know, it's so sad. They only had Delcy for like six weeks when the thing happened, and they didn't have her veterinary records. She was healthy as long as they had known her, but all of a sudden, Delcy developed breathing problems and a fungal skin infection. They realized that they didn't wash Delcy after they got home that night. Shortly after, Betty got word that Donald Kehoe, the author from earlier, got her letter and he was super interested in her story. Yes, you say, or the dog. Tell me about the dog. Tell me more about Delcy. She can fetch a gun, you say. Tell me more. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Kehoe passed the Hill story onto NICAP, which is the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. Similar reports had been made in Kentucky, Indiana, and California. Okay, NICAP was formed in the 50s. It was like kind of the only respectable UFO institution at the time. Project Blue Book was the government's, and this one was made from civilians, so they had doctors, scientists, and super rigid investigation protocols. On October 1961, Boston NICAP investigator Walter Webb went to the Hill household. Both Barney and Betty told the story consistently. Their details matched. When they were separated, when they were practicing it for a couple days now. (laughs) (laughs) When they were separate, when they were together, everything seemed to line up. And he noted that they were both smart and reliable. All of their records said shit. Yeah, right. All of their records said shit like that, that they were credible and that they both had a lot to lose. So, and it's not like this was like something that had been talked about before. So like, why would they risk coming out with this and like fucking up their lives, you know? And that also made them listen to them more because they're like, well, you wouldn't say this for nothing because you look insane. (laughs) He likes his job at the post office. He doesn't want to lose his job. Another set of investigators later go to the Hill House. Their names are Homan and Jackson. This is a later date. And they go over the events for 12 hours. And that's when they all realize that the drive home took six hours instead of four. There was two hours of missing time. Oh, shit. Those are two words you do not want together. Missing time. Missing time. Betty's nightmares were seeming more and more real every night. This is when Betty and Barney, they become a little unhinged. They start driving up to the White Mountains all the time, like going to where it happened all the time. Kicking dirt around. just like Right? Betty could not stop thinking about the glowing orb. On one of these trips to the White Mountains, they got home, and when they unlocked their door, they saw a pile of dry leaves on their kitchen table. All the doors were locked. All the windows were locked. They were like, what the fuck? Shut the fuck up. So they start digging through it and cleaning it up, like putting it in bags or whatever. And under 
all the leaves were Buddy's earrings that went missing. Shut the fuck up. I just got the chills. Ew, shut up. Fake news. So a couple years go by. This starts to take a huge toll on their relationship. Betty got super obsessed, obviously. Barney wanted to stuff that deep, deep down. They both suffered health problems, forcing Betty to switch to part-time work. She developed polyps on her vocal cords and a heart infection. Woof. Barney also had weird medical this shit start. part is where it gets sad. It is a little sad. <laughs> Barney started to have medical problems, too. Once while driving, Barney was hit with such severe vertigo that he had to pull over. It became so bad that he couldn't even walk. He also developed an ulcer, which he took to the doctor. And he kind of, like, word vomited that he saw a UFO. And the doctor was like, well, maybe you should go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, but he wasn't gaslighting him. He was like, well, that could have something to do with it. But this guy, he's like really cool. He like high tech shit, whatever. You should just go and see if he can help you. In comes Dr. Benjamin. Yeah, pay for it. Yeah, go. Go bring your wife. Dr. Both of you fucking crazies. That's they got a whole room for you loons. Oh, nice and soft in there. That's so nice. In comes Dr. Benjamin Simon in Boston, Massachusetts. Why did I say it like that? Yeah, he likes the apples. He loves them. He loves the apples. He's a prominent qualified psychiatrist. He used hypnotherapy. Barney blocked this shit out for two years at this point, because two years had gone by, and now he was about to look straight into the mouth of the beast. Betty and Barney both went. Dr. Simon, his qualifications, he was like a colonel, colonel, colonel in the army. He had a special technique where he put people in a deep trance and he hypnotized them and he used it to heal trauma in soldiers and help them return oh, to a normal life. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Simon. He's a fraud. Dr. Lyman. Dr. Lyman. Uh, Dr. Simon said, Barney's symptoms. Simon says. <laughs> Dr. Simon says. Dr. Simon said, Barney's symptoms had begun just after they had this sighting. Betty responded by a series of dreams extending over a week or more of a nightmarish quality. It seemed that this really involved both of them and their experiences, and I decided to take them both into treatment and to use hypnosis to penetrate <laughs> what seemed to be an amnesiac period with a very vague background. End quote. So they go through this treatment for six months. Dr. Simon would put him into a trance. He would start with Barney, and he would get him to like share what he felt. What did he say? Okay. He could recall driving through the mountains, uh-huh. seeing the light in the sky. Uh-huh. He could recall all the way up to when he was standing in the field. And then at that point, he would start to panic, and he would get, like, hysterical, even in the trance. So that's what the doctor worked on with him, and eventually, this is an actual quote from the session. Oh, my God. It's over to my right. God, what is it? And I try to maintain control so Betty can't tell I'm scared, but God, I'm scared. He starts to cry. Even in his trance, Barney begs and pleads to not go further. But he does. He says, I get out the binoculars, and then it's there, and I look... And I look and it's just overhead and I think I'm not afraid at first and I walk and I walk out and I walk across the road. There it is up there. Oh my God. Okay, so this side note, when someone's in hypnosis and they get really hysterical like that, it's like actually an adverse reaction. It's called an ab reaction. It's basically like a PTSD flashback. And he goes on to say, stay there and I, I keep looking, just keep looking and stay there and just keep looking, just keep looking. Oh, I have to pull these binoculars away from my eyes. Because if I don't, I'll just keep standing here. He didn't say it, but I felt him say it. Just stay there, he's saying to me. And I know. He said that this was the most terrifying moment of his life, and he was a World War II vet, so I feel like that says a lot. So then he says that he gets back in the car, 
involuntarily, and he makes a turn that he didn't want to make. It leads him onto a dirt road with tall trees, and he, quote, they're there. Isn't that funny? I'm in the woods. He sees a fiery orb, and these things are on the road. Little men. They're wearing black uniforms, and he says, it's them. And whatever they are, close in on the car. This is from Betty Session. This is when he should have been a marksman with the fucking truck. Bam, bam. Driving him. Pop, 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 pop. How many bullets can a pistol hold? Well, that pistol, probably a revolver. So six to eight. He said there was like nine or eleven. So you just got to fight the rest by hand. Shoot three of them and kill you and Betty. It's me and you, Bet. So Betty's session. Betty remembered everything up until the turn onto the dark road. What she said during the session was... I don't even know where we are. I don't even know how we got here. At the time, I didn't feel afraid. And the doctor asks, why are you crying if you're not afraid? And she says, I was afraid when I saw the men in the road. And he says, men on the road? And she says, I've never been so afraid in my life. She asked Barney at the time, what's this? Are we being robbed? And all Barney said back was, it's them. And that's when she lost her fucking shit. She tries to run into the woods. But something catches her, and that's when she loses consciousness. When she comes to, she remembers being escorted through the woods by someone. She says, they're taking me into the large object. I don't want to go on. I don't know what's going to happen if I go on it. I don't want to go. I go up the ramp, and I go inside. Then they tell her that there's nothing to be afraid of. They just want to do some tests. But she fucking goes feral, and she starts kicking and screaming, fighting. She fights like an animal to the point where her clothes rip. They restrain her and they take her into an exam room. She watches them take Barney away. Gross. Are you scared? Oh, kind of. Like, honestly. It gets worse. (laughs) He tells her to take off her dress, but they already started taking it off. They unzip her dress, slip it off. Her shoes are already gone. They push her down onto an exam table, and then they start pressing on the vertebrae on her spine with some kind of stylus. They scrape her skin. They roll her onto her back. The examiner had a long needle in his hand, bigger than any needle she had ever seen. And she was just begging, begging to know what that's for. She's like, what is that? What are you doing with that? And he says, just a simple test. And she's like, what? What? Like, she's fully hysterical. And he inserts the needle into her navel. She is in complete agony. She's like, take it out. Please just take it out. Please. Another being comes in, and she said it seemed like he was the leader, and he covered her eyes, and he told her she'll be all right. She won't feel it. And the pain did stop, but she was very sore. She asked them over and over again why they did that. They told her it was a pregnancy test, and she didn't believe them. Then they ignored her for the rest of the exam. When they took Barney away, they removed his clothes and laid him on a table. They looked at his muscles. They were super interested in that. They rolled him over, and he felt something pushing on his spine. He was too afraid to open his eyes, but he could feel something pushing on his spine. He was just terrified that they were going to operate on him, and he was too scared to even open his eyes because he didn't want to know if that's what was going to happen. Something was slid into his rectum and taken out rapidly. Ah, fuck. They put a cup over his genitals. Oh, my God. They took his sperm. What? They jerked him off? They just... He got jerked off by the aliens. Two people. So he cheated on Betty, is what I'm hearing. Wow. He got. Uh, he cheated he on got his a wife. Glizzy, glizzy, gluck, gluck. And that's the second husband she'll have to divorce for infidelity. Uh, <laughs> Just what? kidding, obviously. Yep. Wow. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, and that was it. The entities took the hills off the ship, 
put them back in their car. Barney said, All right, guys. <laughs> Take her easy. <laughs> that was good for me. Was that good for you? One alien pervert. <laughs> Right, and they were like, that wasn't part of the exam, Phil. Why would you do that? You didn't need that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'll just swallow this then. <laughs> Misunderstanding. Barney said, I feel greatly relieved. <laughs> and I'm walking and I'm being guided and my eyes are closed. And I open my eyes and there's the car and the lights are off. And I sit back and I see Betty coming down the road. And I'm thinking it isn't too bad. How funny. I have no reason to I fear. I like anal now. <laughs> and I see a bright moon. Oh, my God. Sorry. And I see a bright moon, and I laugh and say, well, there it goes. And I put on the lights of the car, and I begin to drive. Betty is giggling, and she says, do you believe in flying saucers now? And I say, don't be ridiculous. Of course I don't. I did not want to say what I really believed. I believed that we had seen and been a part of something really different than I had ever seen before. And that was all under hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Man. Dr. Simon had never heard or seen some shit like this. He said they seemed honest. But he was like, well, Betty was a woman, and that's the issue. And she was having these crazy dreams, and he caught, he caught him. He caught the crazy dreams. So it's just dreams, you guys. Yes, this woman has turned him. Into a, a woman brain. Into a woman brain. Softened. Softened him up. Women be dreaming. And that's the end of the story. It was just a dream. Please go home. Pack your bags. Everyone calm down. But the Hills were not happy with that. They did not agree with Dr. Simon. That was actually what convinced Barney that this was real. Because once Dr. Simon was like, no, it's just a dream. He was like, no. You weren't the one with something shoved up your ass, pal. I had a suction cup thing on my weenie. I got the actually the greatest blowjob of my life. It was pretty good. I got that gluck gluck. I got the gluck gluck. <laughs> gluck gluck. Once he started talking about it to other people, he realized how many people believed him and were supportive but they kept that group small and that allowed them to have like a semblance of closure and they were friends huh pen pals pen pals and that you know they were kind of ready to move on at that point so it was the 60s there was no internet there was no video games there was nothing fun to do so by the fall of 1965 everyone was like oh you know it would be fun to take a slice of the hill family pie just as betty and barney had moved on with their lives on October of 1965, the Boston Traveler printed a five-part series on the hills on their UFO sighting and hypnosis sessions. This was front-page news for five days. Fuck that doctor. So, <laughs> yeah, fuck Dr. He Simon. He leaked it. He's a HIPAA violation. Yeah, I So, this one small group that knew what the hills had been through was now a very large group. It was it's full us. of... Huh? It's us. It's us! But these people, they wanted to meet them. They wanted to prove them wrong. Like, some people were mad. Some people were like whatever it was like a big deal nobody had ever heard of something like this before it was a major violation no butt is safe no hiney is safe no man no woman no child it was a major violation of confidentiality john luttrell the reporter got confidential information from betty's friend quote unquote who told him everything she knew he reached out to them the hills and they said please leave us alone please god please god just drop it please don't do this and he just did it anyway uh, he said it was the public's right to know. The series did mention the Hills did not want them to talk about it and did not participate. But it became sensationalized, and the whole family became a freak show. So eventually they just kind of rolled with it. They met with an author named John Fuller, and they wrote The Uninterrupted Journey, Two Lost Hours Aboard a Flying Saucer. It became a New York Times bestseller and number one on my Christmas list. Oh yeah. Get that money. <laughs> the story shook the world. If you think about it, like the probes thing, I know we were joking about it, but that's like a 
still to this day like oh yeah people fucking joke about that all the time the first thing you think about when the aliens abduct you yeah and there's south park episodes about it yeah um and then also like the way he described the aliens with the big gigantic eyes on the side of the head that's that's still what they look like in most everything yeah yeah (laughs) so it was like the first abduction story anyone had ever heard the first time anybody ever heard a lost time first time hypnosis was ever used to get more information Mm. And it was the first time someone had described that alien. And Miss Betty lived till 2004. So by then, aliens were like on t-shirts and stuff. And I bet that was a mind fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. She's like, I don't really want to think of that, but okay. Barney was on the United States Civil Rights Commission. And they were both in politics now. But at this point, this alien was like... Alien politics. Alien politics. This shit was disrupting their life. So they kind of had to step down to do this book. And they leaned into it. They started going on TV. He did. Yeah, rich as fuck. He does have a good high Q. I would too. Fuck yeah. And you get to be on TV, icon. My doctor bills. He went on this show called To Tell the Truth, which looked so cool. It's like, do you know what that is? Sounds like a paranormal activity. Or like, uh, what's that one show? The fucking Twilight Zone? Oh, it it is kind of surreal feeling, but it's like, they'll have like three people go up and tell a story. And it's the same story. Two truths and a lie? No, and you guess which person. It's their story. Oh, it's really cool. It's like a game show. Yeah. I'm into that. It's awesome. Um, we're going to do it later for the, like, the happy bit at the end. Oh, okay. Um, so, yes, they did the Tell the Truth TV show. They did all this shit. All these appearances started speaking and shit. Their niece, Kathy, is like their champion at this point. She's super, super cool. She's the one who touched the shiny weird spots on the car when she was a kid. Once she saw that the stuff in the press was different from what she remembered, she started to investigate, and she discovered a cover-up, baby. What? That's right. So what happened, what she discovered was a false letter that was fake, written in 1963, that contradicted what Betty and Barney had actually experienced. It was in the Project Blue Book file, like the government's UFO investigation, and how you know how they talked about how it zigzagged and stuff mm-hmm. how it bounced it moved all crazy but in this fake letter from quote unquote Barney and Betty they said that it was a star-like object and that it didn't move at all bold-faced lies classic daddy government they what didn't the government said that's what the government said, said they said yeah hmm. cover up they didn't want to talk about UFOs let alone a potential abduction mm-hmm and this is the part where it gets pretty sad, so put on your sad pants. Delcy died in December of 1968. She got a bladder infection and severe dehydration that veterinarians could not treat. Dog. Yeah. Ooh, I know. Our cat died recently. I still can't, like, I will cry about Delcy right now, so I have to continue. February of 1969, Betty and Barney were playing pool during a crazy blizzard when Barney felt a sharp sting in the back of his neck. He said it felt like a hornet. It happened again, and he stumbled up the stairs before falling on the ground, unable to get up. Betty called 911, and an ambulance arrived shortly after. Barney knew the crew, and they were, like, bantering. He was all like, oh, I didn't know they were going to send you guys. I would ask for a different crew. Uh, and they were like, oh, we're here again. You got us on speed dial. You're old. Ha-ha. <laughs> and then, because of the storm... They couldn't get to the hospital, so they took him to a doctor instead. There, Barney slipped into a coma, and they found out that Barney had suffered a stroke. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Betty had her own medical problems, so she had to go home to just, like, get her life together and get her meds. Like my pet machine. 
Exactly. Sleep apnea machine. <laughs> exactly. And at 7.20 p.m., the call came in that Barney was gone. Fuck. Dead or, like, missing? He was dead. He was dead. Wow. On May 3rd, 1969, Betty took her new cat to the veterinarian. In the parking lot, on the way out to her car, she felt a blow to the back of her skull. She saw a flash of light and went numb, collapsed on the floor. She was completely paralyzed. She recovered from that event and eventually went home. She was starting to feel unsafe in her home. One time, she came into her kitchen only to find all the chairs arranged in a circle. What the fuck? Right? Another time, she found all of her clothes had been ripped from her closet onto a pile on the floor. Her alarm would be set to go off at random times. A lot of the times, it woke her up in the middle of the night. And other times when she set it, the alarm would be turned off, completely reset. So she would sleep through shit all the time. Um... Her tax documents once disappeared in the middle of her filing her taxes. All right, that's just... That's, we, that we happens to me, yeah. <laughs> and the most sinister of all, the men in black suits. She had seen men... The men in black! Literally. And she wow. had seen these men in black suits enter her home two separate times with a key. They had a key to open the door when they came in. And Why did she bum rush them? I have no idea. I wish that, like, it went... Okay, I'll be honest. I read a book for this. I listened to the book and I read it. But I had to skim over, like, some of the end parts just because I was trying to hurry up. Mm -hmm. So I switched to a documentary at the end. I don't know if I missed something there, but I wish she talked about that in more depth. Maybe I missed it. It's not a a dig to you, Betty. It's probably me. Um, But I couldn't find more information about it. And I was like, well, we just got to go. She changed the locks and it happened a third time. Betty's niece, Kathy, rented an apartment in Betty's building just below hers to watch out for her. And you might be doubting sweet Betty because she did just lose her dog, her husband, and her anonymity. But it wasn't all in her head, okay? Because one day, Kathy was studying in her apartment when she heard Betty's apartment door open while Betty was at work. And she could hear people walking around up there, someone walking around up there. And she was like, well, maybe Betty forgot her lunch and she's just grabbing it really quick. So, like, let me go up there and say hi and just make sure. So she goes up to check, and Betty was not there. So she starts looking through the apartment, and she started to get this feeling that, like, well, what if someone is in here, and I'm the only one in here, like, and they're going to get the jump on me? Like, fuck that. So she leaves. She goes down to her apartment. She's like, th- she's like, what do I do? Like, do I call, or was I? Um, and then from upstairs, she hears a big crash, footsteps running down the hall, and she hears the front door slam. So she chases after that motherfucker, and she sees this short, like heavy guy leaving the fucking front gate and getting into a car and driving away and she's like what (laughs) um so she goes back up to betty's apartment and she looks around and she sees that betty's bedroom closet door was wide open and the baseball bat that stays in there for protection was now on the floor as if someone had dropped it um and she was like holy shit if i didn't leave like got you yeah yeah she might have left with less teeth than she arrived with. Damn, babe, I'm scared to put this episode out. <laughs> you scared? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they installed a security system, which did work, and it alerted the police at a later date. When they showed up, they didn't catch anybody, but that was pretty much the last time they got harassed. So that was good. Now we arrive at Evidence Corner, okay? <sighs> so bet you can look at the dress now if you want. Um, Betty hung the dress in her closet the night that that happened. She wanted, oh, of course, she did. Yeah, she wanted to throw it away, but she kept it as evidence. At one point, for some reason, she hung it on a clothesline, so a lot of the weird pink powder was gone. But many tests were done on the dress, 
and it ultimately revealed the powder to be made of sulfur, sodium, chlorides, and silicone, among other things like manganese, calcium, and silicone. There were some stains on the dress. Appears to be organic material stains on the dress, and there were also stains on the inside of the dress that were overlooked before, but recently discovered. And the spots that the stains were in were weird because one of them was where her belly button would have been. She's got real sweaty. I would have been sweaty. A scientist. Her arms are tore up. There's a tear there. That's crazy. Isn't it? A scientist in 1980 looked at the stains on the dress and, quote, concluded that the stained areas were coated with a biologically derived material of mostly protein and a small amount of natural oil. This protein biologically attacked the fiber and dye in the stained samples of Betty's dress, resulting in discoloration and a looser fiber structure. The evidence shows that this did not derive from Betty's bodily emissions, but came from an external source. The stained area's pH level revealed a higher acid content than did the control fabric sample. End quote. Gross. Right. Gross. During her exam, I guess she saw... Okay, this part puzzles me. At some point during this experience, she said one of the creatures showed her a star map. It was 3D, and it showed all the stars. Quote, it was an oblong map. It wasn't square. It was a lot wider than it was long. And there were all these dots on it. Some were little, just pinpoints, and some were as big as a nickel. And there were lines. There was dots and curved lines going from one dot to another, and there was one big circle. And it had a lot of lines coming out from it. There was lines going to another circle, quite close, but not as big, and there was heavy lines. And I asked what it meant, and he said the big lines were expeditions. And later she tried to draw this map from memory. In 1974, Marjorie Fish, a lady from Mensa who's super genius, saw the map in a book about the abduction, and she was skeptical. But she thought she'd look at the star map and see if she could understand the perspective. She made a 3D model using beads and fishing lines. She followed the pattern of the sun. She had to hand-copy distance data and scale it down. She made 14 of these models and found no match. But a new star catalog came up with updated distance data, and she made a model of that information, and it was a match. By calculating this, she was able to determine that the beings came from Zeta Reticuli, 39 light years away from Earth. What does that mean for us? I don't know, but it sounds scary as fuck. They do have a star out there that's similar to the sun, so it would be possible for there to be planets like Earth. And Marjorie and Betty became friends. In 1976, John Luttrell wrote a letter to Staten Friedman. He spoke to 12 to 14 people in the White Mountains who saw the same craft that night, but the editors would not put it in the articles that were published. When he left the Boston Traveler, he gave the file to his editor, and the file mysteriously disappeared. You know what else mysteriously disappeared? All mentionings of the abduction in Betty's medical records. Suspicious. What? That is suspicious. Betty was extremely unhealthy. Doctors said that she had cancer. At first, they said well where is it but eventually they found tumors she had to retire at 56 betty said that the experience haunted her for her entire life the last thing she thought about at night and the first thing she thought about in the morning the ufo community and media kind of turned on her at this point she was like look ufos exist and she did all these presentations on it and people were just not impressed i'd be right there i would too i'm about to get a face shirt of her face and put it on my shirt um, she did help people through the emotional trauma that came from being abducted, though, so I thought that was, like, really nice. But then, you know, the satanic panic bullshit happened where they were, like, 
quote unquote hypnotizing these kids to make false confessions about like Satan worshiping and whatever. And that made Betty like really upset. And she turned on everyone and she was like, hypnosis is fake. UFOs are fake. And then she died of lung cancer on October 17, 2004. And at the end of her life, her cat became afraid of her. Barney, Betty, and Janet. creepy. It is. Barney, Betty, and Janet are all buried side by side in a gorgeous cemetery in New Hampshire. And that is a terrifying and I believe true tale of Betty and Barney Hill, the first alien abduction. Jake, are you scared? Yeah, that actually did get me a little bit. Me too. That was great. Great fucking work. You like it? Yeah. The best part was how you kept me in suspense. I was all like, a love story? That's <laughs> fucking lame. Stupid. What I, is happening? Yeah, you definitely misheard me. <laughs> you looked so disappointed. I was so fucking sad. I was all like, oh. At the end of the show, we like to do something fun, something happy to like brighten up the mood. So we're going to do a game based off the show that Barney went on, and it's called To Tell the Truth. This is a segment where I'm going to tell you a crazy, insane story. I'm going to remove all the personal information, and I'm going to show you pictures of three different people, three different couples, and you describe the vibe you get from each and what they each look like, and then you tell me whose story it is. Okay. All right. Thank you to How Stuff Works for this article in which I removed all identifying information. All right, here's the story. This person and their partner need a new travel agent. The unlucky couple booked a series of ill-fated international holidays in the 2000s that defies all probability. First was a sightseeing trip to New York City that found them in the Big Apple on September 11, 2001, when hijackers flew two, fl- two planes into the World Trade Centers. A few years later, they chose to vacation closer to home, booking a few nights in London in July of 2005. A day into their visit, four, sui- two. four suicide bombers attacked the London underground, killing 52 people. Looking for a getaway destination in 2008, the couple chose Mumbai, India. To their horror, terrorists struck yet again, opening fire on a hotel. Oh my god, keep these people out of your fucking country. (laughs) Three vacations, three decades worth of deadliest terrorist attacks. We can only assume these unlucky two are on a lifetime CIA CIA watch list. It's gotta be number two. Final answer? Yeah. It's option one. It's number one. Shut the fuck up. I know. These pictures, it was so hard because this is the only picture. This is a fucking stock photo. Okay, let me tell you their names. My bad. I dropped the ball on that one. That was an L. Call me Laylee because that was an L. It is the only picture of them. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, you could have gone on Vibes. You could have gone on Vibes alone. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any scary stories you would like to share or anything you would like to hear us explore, give us an email, a DM, whatever you want, baby. Our email is thcpodcast, P-O-T-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com. Um, we're going to have an episode dropping on Halloween that's going to be lit, lit, litty, lit, lit. It's going to be slippery and hard to hold on to. And don't forget to drink Just water. Like Just like your mother. Don't forget to drink water. Don't forget to drink water. Goodbye. Sources for this week are Alien Abduction, Betty and Barney Hill documentary on Discovery Plus, and Captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience by Staten T. Freeman, Kathleen Martin, and Bruce McAbee, which you can read or listen to on Scribe. Love you so much. Bye. Bye.